The biggest danger the world faces right now. It's not who or what you've been told it is. By Brian Cates. When I was growing up as a child in Texas, it was commonly believed that the biggest threat the world faced was an exchange of ballistic missiles between nuclear powers. I dimly remember the duck-under-the-desk drills we did in Texas public schools when I was in kindergarten and the first few grades of elementary school back in the late 1960s and early 70s. Much as with the stupid cloth-mask-wearing mandates we've contended with for the past two years, the state and federal policymakers have settled on useless gestures that make people feel safer, even if these measures actually provide no real benefit. While duck-and-cover drills in American schools didn't actively physically harm the students, plenty of scientific studies have proven that prolonged use of a cloth mask actually does cause real harm to the child wearing it. The changing world landscape of the past 50 years has shifted from nuclear threats to biological ones, from ballistic missiles to designed viruses utilized as bioweapons against targeted populations. Where in the 1950s kids were taught nuclear annihilation was ominously hiding just over the horizon, currently there is a psychological operation underway to convince them that an invisible virus will wipe out most of mankind unless they rush to get vaccinated against it. The current push to get everyone on the planet vaccinated has suspiciously turned out to be directly related to all the deliberate mystery surrounding the origins of the virus that caused the recent pandemic. The COVID-19 virus was the result of gain-of-function experimentation, something that the entire medical and scientific bureaucracy charged with learning of the virus's origins and how to successfully combat it, tried to hide, deny, and cover up. And while this strange activity was going on, early treatment of the virus was being discouraged even to the point of massive censorship of frontline doctors. For a long time, the assertion that the virus was deliberately created and then deliberately released by some nefarious group in order to drive a worldwide vaccination and control campaign was dismissed as a crazy conspiracy theory. You could certainly believe with little trouble that power-hungry government bureaucrats seized upon the opportunity of a random natural virus pandemic to greatly expand their powers over the citizenry. You could reject the idea that some shadowy group of villains in a specter-like syndicate right out of a James Bond movie was working behind the scenes somewhere concocting the virus and then deliberately unleashing it to bring about the societal changes they desired to see. But what if the virus was designed? And what if the people behind its designing did deliberately inflict it on the world so as to advance some nefarious agenda? Well, if true, two things would be evident. One, because the virus escaping wasn't an accident, they wouldn't stop what they were doing in the biolabs they controlled. They would keep right on doing the same kinds of gain-of-function experimentation on new biological agents. And two, 
Having done it once, nothing would prevent them from planning to do it again. The fast emergence of the Omicron COVID-19 variant dramatically changed the international picture as it spurred most of the planet on to herd immunity due to its rapid spread. To fully make use of the pandemic for their Great Reset, the hypothetical villain group would need lockdowns, mandates, and vaccine regimes to continue for at least five years. That's why Omicron was such a setback for those hoping to exploit the viral pandemic for their own grand social engineering projects. Well, as it turns out, there is such a group in existence, and its leader did indeed boast that the pandemic presented them with a wonderful opportunity to reset the entire world. Quote, the pandemic represents a rare but narrow window of opportunity to reflect, reimagine, and reset our world. Klaus Schwab, founder and executive chairman, World Economic Forum. Meet Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum. If you haven't heard about him already, most people have not, which is a problem. Because it's Schwab and his WEF that are the biggest threat to the world right now, and not nuclear weapons or economic collapse. Because I have reason to believe that Schwab and his billionaire cabal create and shape world catastrophes in order to advance their agenda for the planet. The biggest danger to the security of a nation's citizens in the modern age is not a military invasion by an army of foreign soldiers. It's an infiltration of their government by an army of foreign and domestic billionaires sending hand-picked, soulless bureaucrats to get control of key offices in their nation's capital. And when they're done infiltrating and getting control of a country's government, they move in to take over the military and the major news media outlets as well. None of this government buying or string pulling is done out in the open, of course. It's all accomplished behind the scenes, from the shadows, which is why I sometimes refer to this group as the Shadow Cabal. Things like national boundaries and national constitutions just get in the way when you're in a hurry to save the world. At least that's the cover story this billionaire's cabal claims when their machinations are forced out into the open. Anything hampering or impeding Klaus Schwab's or Bill Gates's or George Soros's noble quest to save the world from climate change must be ruthlessly crushed for the greater good, you see. You don't know who most of these people are. Trump himself said in an interview with Laura Ingram back in 2020 that the people responsible for the massive wave of organized chaos during the summer of that year were very stupid, rich people working from the shadows whose names you've never heard of. Very likely 99% of the Earth's population could not pick Klaus Schwab out of a lineup, even though he's been a public figure since the 1970s. More people might recognize the name World Economic Forum 
the organization Schwab founded in 1971. But a whole lot of people would recognize the name of George Soros, and they'd be able to pick his very well-known face out of a lineup. I have written about Soros before, most notably here in this column for Uncover DC two years ago, link in the article, President Trump puts some very stupid rich people on notice. Brian Cates, Uncover DC, October 12th, 2020. Soros has deliberately cultivated fame and sought the limelight, aided in raising his visibility internationally by the complicit medias of over a dozen countries. It's looking increasingly to me as if he's been sent out by this cabal of nefarious billionaires to play the bright, shiny object that everyone keeps their attentions fixed upon, while other far more nefarious figures are left to go about their activities out of sight and in the shadows. You would look at the threat very differently if you realized it wasn't just one nefarious billionaire pulling the strings behind over a dozen governments the world over. It's several dozen working in concert, an actual syndicate that has been hiding in plain sight. Schwab and his Fellow billionaire social engineers have written numerous books and held yearly conferences in which they give speeches where they've been far from shy about waxing rhapsodic on their plans for the entire world. World Economic Forum tweeted, quote, You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. This is how our world could change by 2030. Read more. W.E.F. .ch. November 19th, 2016. The fact that these arrogant pricks have felt safe enough to lay out their nefarious plans in detail while Soros did his arm-waving and jumping up and down act to hold everyone's attention has been used against them. Their books were read, their speeches were studied, and it's become apparent to me that someone recognized the danger and began acting to counter their plans. Donald Trump's first term was the beginning of the end for them. Many people have come to believe that the COVID-19 virus leaving the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China to go on a worldwide rampage was not an accident. Due to statements he's made and Evidence he now claims to possess following his invasion of Ukraine, one of those people is Russian President Vladimir Putin. Because Putin believes the virus was designed and then deliberately released, he certainly would see the numerous biolabs right on his border as a legitimate threat. That brings up the question of, did Putin exhaust diplomacy before resorting to it? by other means to turn the phrase first coined by von Clausewitz. Yes, he did. Putin's years of repeated warnings about Nazi militias and bioweapons development in Ukraine fell on deaf ears. Putin gave stronger and stronger warnings since the 2014 coup that the deep state cabal needed to stop both their biolab and their Nazi militia expanding activities they were engaging in inside Ukraine. 
Just because the Western fake news press never bothered to cover Putin's numerous warnings over the past decade doesn't mean they didn't happen. As we all know, if the mainstream press decides not to put its big spotlight on something, it's invisible to most people. Just four months ago, Russia, losing patience, angrily warned the UN that something needed to be done now about these biolabs. As usual, the Western press totally ignored it. Just more useless noise from Moscow. Only when the Russian military began building up on the border were they forced to begin focusing on Ukraine. And even then, they lied and covered up incessantly about why this military buildup was happening. Putin gave them more than a month as his army massed on the Russian side of the border to realistically respond to his warnings about the Nazis in eastern Ukraine and what they were doing and the biolabs. NATO, the United Nations, the U.S. State Department, the European Union, they all kept right on insisting he was making all this up. Even after he signed the treaties with the two regions of the Donbass, they continued playing dumb for the next several days, even though that treaty signing was a clear tripwire that he was about to have the Russian military go in. Spinning so fast, the gears are locking up. In my recent interview on the Sean Morgan program, Making Sense of the Madness, I discussed how fast the goalposts have been shifting since the Russian military operation in Ukraine commenced just over three weeks ago. At first, we had our government and news media authorities pontificating to us that Putin and Russia were simply lying about Nazis or bioweapons labs in Ukraine. Then, as the evidence began to rise to the surface about the privately funded fascist militias the Kiev government has been using in its war on the eastern separatist regions of Donetsk and Luhansk, and the numerous biological threat reduction labs in the country, reluctant and artfully worded admissions were suddenly being made. Such as when the State Department bureaucrat Victoria Newland went before the U.S. Congress and admitted, under questioning by Senator Marco Rubio, Republican of Florida, that there were biolabs in Ukraine after all, and so very worried she was that the Russians might get their filthy hands on some of the pathogens stored inside of them. The cognitive dissonance of watching this rapid goalpost shifting from one, there are no biolabs, to two, well, okay, there are some biolabs, but nothing serious and nothing to worry about, to three, OMG, we're in serious and major trouble if the Russians acquire what is in these harmless labs, led me to make the following humorous meme. Joe Biden on one side, look, man, there's nothing to be worried about. There are no deadly pathogens in these Ukrainian health labs. It'd be great if everyone would just calm down and quit listening to conspiracy theories. Biden on the right. But holy shit, guys, do you understand how bad it is if the Russians get their filthy hands on these deadly pathogens in these Ukrainian health labs? No one is coming to Kiev's rescue. We've been watching for three weeks as certain forces have frantically and desperately tried to rush the Western world into getting involved in a shooting war with Russia in order to save the corrupt puppet government in Kiev. And yet the world is not answering the call. 
NATO made it clear that it's not about to get into a land war with Putin over Zelensky and his Nazi battalions. Weeks of talk about instituting a no-fly zone over Ukraine went nowhere. So did empty talk of providing fighter jets to Ukraine from Poland or other NATO members, a proposal that was always nonsensical to begin with. Russia has complete air superiority. You'd have to send several hundred jet fighters to seize the Ukrainian airspace from Putin. A token force would accomplish nothing except the loss of good planes and pilots. As I detailed in a recent post, there's some evidence the Ukrainian forces are depleted to the point that senior officers are being forced to take to the battlefield, which is never a good sign for the side where that's happening. This latest commentary from the media outlet Vox is a perfect example of desperate wish-casting being presented as news analysis of a current event. Fake news is valiantly serving its cabal masters by presenting an alternate reality in which Ukraine is winning the fight or at least valiantly holding its own against the far larger Russian forces. Link to the Vox article. But the reality is that Russia has complete control of the skies. The Ukrainian forces in the eastern half of the country have been completely encircled by the Russian army and are being squeezed into submission. For weeks, the fake news screeched about the 40-mile-long stalled convoy just outside Kiev. The fantastic assertion was made that the convoy was sitting there exposed and out in the open for three weeks now because it had, quote, run out of gas. What utter nonsense. The convoy was being utilized as a mobile staging point for military operations in the area, and it's sitting there, placed it in no danger because the Ukrainian air forces were mostly dispensed with during the first days of the fighting. Any real threats to the convoy would come on the ground, and none have been really observed materializing yet. All your hidden Ukraine assets are belong to me. Because they've been using Ukraine as a massive money laundering front for the deep state for the past two decades, the bought-off politicians of over a dozen of the world's governments are watching in horror as Putin closes in on all the evidence he needs to expose them. I've been saying ever since NATO made it official they're not going in to save Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky or his government in Kiev, that the outcome of this military operation is not in doubt. Putin's already won. It's just a question of how long Zelensky can hide from reality and beg for help that isn't coming. Assuming the virus was designed and assuming an evil deep state did unleash it on the world and assuming they were up to further bioweapons shenanigans in the biolabs they controlled in Ukraine, Putin makes for a most unlikely hero of the Bond movie we are watching. If he can indeed produce the evidence he claims he has that the U.S. military was funding bioweapons development in these labs, that will change the story the history books are going to tell about the conflict. Far from being a 
nasty, brutish exercise of raw power to take over a country, it will turn out that Vladimir Putin spent eight years exhausting diplomacy first and trying to get the UN and EU and NATO to live up to their stated ideals before he most reluctantly launched a defensive operation to remove a genuine threat. We'll have to see what happens.